This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Do you find yourself juggling multiple websites and clinical tools as you care for your patients? NeoCarePal is a resource providing access to multiple clinical calculators in just one place. To learn more, visit nicuconnections.com backslash NeoCarePal. This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are wrapping up our coverage of the NEC Symposium, and we are joined by Jen Canvasser and Jay Kim. Jen, Jay, how does it feel right now? <laughs> Come close to the mic, yeah. Awesome. I'm feeling really good. Yeah? Yeah, and you know, I was reflecting. I remember after our 2019 meeting, after the last in-person meeting, I remember just feeling like a little more, a lot more actually stressed out than I. Yeah. Right now, I only feel good. You feel good. Mm. I feel great, actually. <laughs> I was. I was I just, expecting the word exhaustion, no. but uh, you know, good, and good works. I've been awake since 4:30, and I was out till midnight, and I'm not. I feel like I feel I believe great. It. Yeah. You know, I left. I, I'm the same. You know the. 2019 conference was the last in person. We did a virtual mm-hmm. in 2021, but it was very attenuated and it was, you know, afternoons, afternoons type of thing. There was none of this connection. Like the biggest word in the word cloud mm-hmm. at the end was connections. Mm-hmm. And what we hear in terms of the feedback from people and what we feel is that there's a big jump from what 2017 felt mm. like, what 2017 was. A, like chaos because we mm. were the first time doing it. 2019 was what we thought we yeah. reduced it, but it was also exhausting and, and complicated and we didn't have a lot of actionables mm-hmm. on that. We had maybe the research priorities that we said well, that's what we'll try to focus on on a few things. This one was felt like a leap but a leap in the energy mm-hmm. of like there, the number of people ha- who have said that was a unique one of the best experiences we've had in a conference yeah. that worked that the platform, the way it's being, they feel mm-hmm. how everyone is approachable. Yeah. Mm. It's completely different. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's what I'm reacting. It's like, this is, I don't, I mean, we planned this, but it was, it's quite exciting to you, see the you energy. You called it magic. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it's energizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
instead of depleting, mm-hmm. at yeah. least me, I, I, yeah. I think a lot of us, we find it energizing. And what I think part of that magic is seeing people come together for the first time that have never met in real life and yeah. only know each other based on the names on the, on the publications. Yeah. And they're having the chance to not only meet here at the next society, but to actually get to know each other mm-hmm. and to develop those relationships and the connections so that they can collaborate and come out of their silos. There's something very transactional about being on zoom. Like mm. you're getting on to really transact yeah. about like something you, you have to do something you have to discuss, but the ability to just be around other human beings and just let things flow and just, you, some things you jump from one topic to the next. There's not like a timer and so on. That's right. it, it's it's dramatically different, and so I'm not surprised that this is the the experience of being here in person is so much more um, important. Wait. Yeah. I'm just going to build off that yeah. and say thank you for helping to disseminate the content mm. with your podcast because we did get asked to record and to make it virtual and we intentionally kept it to in person because we think the magic happens in person. Mm-hmm. Sure, Zoom is a nice kind of backup when it's necessary, but there's really no substitute to being face-to-face with someone and to look in their eyes and to really have that like magical connection. So thank you. It reminds you. me of, of when my wife and I have to decide what to eat for dinner. And like the Zoom the Zoom option of a conference is like takeout. It's like, right. it's convenient, but it's not, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. And you don't enjoy it. And when you're done, you're like, oh, I should have just made something at home. Yeah, and I so, think nothing replaces the kind exactly of in-person right. yeah. networking. Yeah. And we'll do what we can to, yeah. <laughs> to share and, the uh, information. And may, you know, could it be that because we were all cooped up with the pandemic, mm. that we're desperate. Pe- we're desperate. <laughs> People were wanting mm-hmm. something. Because the, the human connection in the meeting at every point was very palpable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like people would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, how, how are you doing? And have a conversation. People were inviting and open and mm-hmm. sharing and it felt, it felt I, I also think that to your credit uh, yeah. one of the things that I noticed was the scale of the meeting right I mean when we go to meetings like mm-hmm. PAS it's very overwhelming mm-hmm. and, and you mm-hmm. sometimes find people in the crowd but here I think the scale impersonal I would say in person of yeah. course oh yeah. impersonal yeah, yeah. yeah but I think yeah. here no, no, the no. it's in person but it's impersonal yeah. 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 yeah yeah and I think here the scale was just right mm-hmm. enough that it was not overwhelming and you felt like mm-hmm. you saw everybody and you felt like there was enough time and opportunities to speak to all the people you wanted to speak so I think mm-hmm. that was that was very well designed as well mm-hmm. I think the other thing you guys have really intentionally done is kind of break down the hierarchies and I, I think mm-hmm. that comes from this all-in meeting and it's something we've been waiting to really address while we're talking to you so tell us more about an all-in meeting and why should should it be the model for medical conferences? Yeah. So we developed the concept of an all-in meeting after our 2019 conference at the University of Michigan. And people were like, wow, your your conferences feel really different than anything we've ever been to. Like, why and how? Like, how are you doing this? I'm like, well, it's also because it's led by, like, we're a patient-led organization. It's a patient-led meeting. But it's more than that, right? right? Like, we are being very intentional about how we're planning the meeting, what's happening at the meeting, how people are addressing one another. So maybe you already spoken about this um but we only use first names at the next society and we, at this, our has been, this has been a problem yeah by the we way. struggled with it oh. so because we, 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 we got you, it down you, we, we got it down you have <laughs> a star-studded lineup yeah. and so some of these people sit down here and it's very uncomfortable for me to call them by their first name because <laughs> i'm like funny. this is dr gail bestner and like i have to call her gail and so i've been doing my best 
to abide by the rules and go on a first name basis. But it's been difficult for me. Well, thank you for following our rules. <laughs> but and it's because at the Next Society, we're friends and colleagues in this work, yep. and we really are. We see each other as equal collaborators and and contributors mm -hmm. to a world without Nack. You're asking me to call Doctor Misty good Misty. Yeah, it's crazy. It's <laughs> and um, it helps to recognize yeah. that my experience as a bereaved mom is just as valuable as Gail's experience Absolutely. as a pediatric surgeon, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. But it is, it is like you said, um, being comfortable with discomfort. Yep. That was this for me. I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. We're constantly yeah. putting ourselves out there. Yep. Yeah. I think it's also a testament to the physicians that are in mm -hmm. our group that yeah. uh, allow those barriers to go away and, yeah. and, uh, and really that they lean into being in conversation with families and they shed a tear. They, they are, you know, they make themselves vulnerable openly mm -hmm. in public. Uh, they're reacting to the stories. Yeah. Uh, they're becoming human in mm -hmm. front of everyone's eyes. And to me, that's not every physician maybe mm -hmm. would feel that comfortable. So, but the group that has gravitated to being one to being on the council and so forth, I think there's a unique, um, uh, team for sure, and I think the hundred uh, percent Jay are the clinicians that we have on our scientific advisory council and our board of directors because we have clinicians on our board as well. They are clinicians that do not have egos that mm -hmm. are here for the babies and the families, and they know that, and we know that, yeah. and that's why they are here, and that's why they were invited to be on the council, right? Yeah. And so it's it, it's absolutely a testament to our our team members. There. That, that was really felt, and. Um, and I think that a lot of the uh, something that came up repeatedly during our conversations were the fact that it's a rare opportunity for clinicians to interact with families outside of the clinical mm -hmm. context where right. I am not interacting with you based on uh, the fact that I'm the provider of your son or your daughter. Right. It's actually a complete different type of engagement. That is also yeah. something that I found that found quite I mean, a real opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. We said that, that the, the group that you have are really, they're approachable. They, they, you know, are, um, uh, wanting to to engage with others, and I think it's a reminder for us that that this is what we should really be doing in the NICU, right? If we really care about family centered care, family integrated care, and we say, you know, parents are equal members of the team, or potentially more important members of the team. I mean, we really have to break down some of that hierarchy that I I think still really persists in most yeah. units. Yeah. yeah. What are um you What are your takeaways? You, you did you did address them obviously in the mm -hmm. in in uh, on the stage, but what are your some of takeaways of this year's um, symposium, and what are the things that are getting getting you excited for next year? I first want to just um, acknowledge how many pivots we had to do to have mm -hmm. yes. this conference, and a lot. So we had to change venues at literally the last moment. Yeah. We we switched venues. Have you? I don't know if you've spoken about that already on the podcast, but we we did commend your your um, agility in mm -hmm. in number one changing venue. But also, as we said, it never felt like this was not meant to be the venue yeah. here. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. <laughs> kudos to that. Yeah, and so totally. there's just so many pivots that had to happen to experience the conference that we all just had. Mm -hmm. And I think the lesson that I take away is just the. Uh, that we need to be relentless and that when we see barriers that are getting in the way of our goals, that we navigate our way around it and we think outside the box and we think differently and we collaborate with others to still make it happen. Maybe not as originally planned, but perhaps in a different and maybe even better, more fun way. That's right. That's right. Just making it work. 
There's also a, the, the reaction to the crises that happened, um, I think, reflect the maturity of our organization mm-hmm. and the people uh, that work, uh, have been working together for many years. So that wasn't all panic. It was sort right. of like, we can figure this out, and everyone pitched in, and real kudos to our Cincinnati Children's CME team that just mm. made the whole pivot uh, easy. But I, I just feel like the maturity of the team having been together, it's like a family that knows how everyone else is going to react and and just rolled with it. Yeah, I think that's what's really, really neat. Um, the other thing that I think is this, uh, that we were just before we came on, was just this idea of the Lego bricks that everyone is picking their yeah. one idea. And at the end of the conference, I felt more than any of the other prior conferences that there are actionables that feel very real. I, I mean, I just had lunch and there's a bunch of uh, startup companies that mm-hmm. I ha- having a conversation with. And, I, and the ideas that were coming off that table, thinking about how to, how to learn from them yeah. and what they can learn from uh, patient families mm-hmm. and how do we engage more with that? What does that mean for lining up more therapies, more diagnostics? Um, how do we get the patient family's voices to their table when they go to regulatory? Uh, that sort of thing. I think that's that's part of that magic. Like this meeting created enough chemistry for some of these uh, conversations, so that we can have, you tell us a little bit about. I think we did mention the Lego pieces at oh, some point, but is, I but I forget. Is, yeah. And oh, so, okay. can you tell us a little bit what uh, what is. Um, yeah. What the Lego pieces have to do with the next symposium this year? Totally. So um, we identified 20 research priorities, and that was the whole theme of this meeting is transforming our research priorities into actionable like projects and things that will actually move us towards a world without neck. And while we were trying to figure out how do we get our participants more uh, familiar with the research priorities that we have, we were trying to think of creative and fun ways and I was staring at Legos that are just scattered all over my house <laughs> and I realized that there are more than 20 different Lego colors. Yeah. We only had 20 priorities and so I thought, well, if we could assign a different Lego color to each of our priorities, we could have people build their own prioritized research agenda based on their priorities and the colors and so that's what people did is they kind of picked their top five research priorities from the list of 20 priorities that we have. They built their five stack of Legos. Um, they got some cool sunglasses in exchange. And then we asked them to take, you know, the color that was on top for them, the most important research priority back with them so that they could advance that particular research priority in their unit and with their colleagues. That's so interesting. Do you know the story of the colors in Lego? No. So the founder of Lego in Denmark was a big fan of Piet Mondrian, the, the painter. And so because of that, he only had five colors, like the, whatever colors were on the Mondrian painting, the, mm-hmm. the, the red, the black, and so on. And it's his kids who said, Dad, you need mm-hmm. more colors. <laughs> and it's the push of his children that then led to have more than just a few colored Legos. Oh, so I think it's kind of interesting that the colors of the Legos were driven by um, the founder's children. Child, and yes. here we are talking about priorities and, and colors. And I think that's kind of poetic. That was also driven by... Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Absolutely. That's exactly. Absolutely. You know, you know, the other symbolism is this idea that um, people are taking a bite size. Mm-hmm. It's one step. It's one piece, and that everyone is building something together. together. Yeah. And yeah. so that whole thing builds, and, and they're taking home something concrete in their hand yeah. that put on their desk or wherever, and that becomes like, oh yeah, that's 
the reminder. I could, yeah, reminder. I, I made a commitment, or what am I supposed to do with that? So it's it was a brilliant uh, yeah. idea to I love do it. this to to make it concrete. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We talk about that at every conference we go to, and this one again, so much passion and and um, excitement. You know, you leave a conference, you're hyped up, and then you get back to your day to day, and whatever your clinical duties are, your home duties are, your research um, initiatives are, and you say, you know, I had made plans, I had talked to collaborators, yeah. and now I'm back just doing my same old thing. So I think this really helped people delineate something specific that mm-hmm. they could do with this new excitement. And I think the one thing that we have now that we didn't have before, for example, after the 2019 conference is our research incubator, which I know I love the name (laughs) we got going here. I dig it. So um, our research incubator is a closed space for neck researchers and clinicians to come together in a safe online environment to be able to collaborate. And so that's one way we're going to be able to keep these like Lego projects um, and collaborations and relationships going when we are apart and Mm -hmm. keep that momentum and that energy up. So that they can continue to collaborate and connect even when we are not at the yeah, hard Yeah, it's a tether together. almost to make yeah. sure that, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I think it's, um, speaking of research, this was one of your major missions, obviously. Um, in, I think what you're doing is really disrupting kind of the academic model a little bit in where you're encouraging young people to collaborate with very senior people in a way that I think is is not being done before, especially as we know, our medical model is changing and people may end up at a location that doesn't have a neck researcher. Um, And I think this is so innovative um, by linking people together so that location is not a barrier. Um, Where do you see the future of the the research incubator and the mentee program headed? Uh, I would say the one thing that's really important that that we've been deliberate and intentional is, is this idea of modeling, mm. like having a different behavior where senior people, junior people, uh, the way people interact and, and in, you know, taking down some barriers so you can collaborate instead mm-hmm. of this is my data, that's your data. Yeah. So it's trying to um, see what is, what is a, the future research environment look like? What yeah. would be an ideal state? Yeah. And if particularly because if we want to build a world without neck, we got to get there fast mm-hmm. and it won't go fast if everyone is exclusive and protective of their own ideas. So it's being able to say we've, in order to do that, we have to work together. And I, my reflection is that younger people are more receptive mm. to the team concept, the team effort mm. than say the older generation mm. that was brought up on a very individualistic and protective, uh, kind of uh, climate. Yeah, I'd say it felt that way even when we were fellows where it was competitive (laughs) between groups, right? We were studying the same thing when it makes sense that we can move. If we're all working on the same thing, might we make less mistakes or not? Decide what part part of the pie you want and and, And and move faster. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Um, I'm going to give you the mic for our parting words and uh, for concluding this whole event. So I'm going to Leave it to you and you can share whatever you want to share. Oh, thank you. I would say we started the meeting with our why. Mm. I shared Micah's story 
And we close the meeting by sharing, like, we want our participants to go out in the world and to hold on to their why mm -hmm. and keep their why front and centered in everything that they do and to tell other people about their why, why they care about it and why other people should care too, because that's how we make change in the world. We change hearts before we can change minds. Mm -hmm. And that's how we can then secure the resources we need to build a world without next. So my parting words would be to hold on to your why and to go out in the world and help us build a world without this devastating disease. Jen, Jay, thank you so much for dropping by. Thank Congratulations you. again on a great conference. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of The Incubator and new shows from The Incubator Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com, or by visiting our website, www.the-incubator.org. You can also message the show on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter, at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.